0: Welcome back, everyone, to our chat, our epic chat with Miss Carol Raswell. If you haven't heard part one of this chat, why don't you check it out first? We talk about how Carol first got involved with housewives how she was cast, what she expected. Did she know what she was getting into? Her beginnings on Housewives, who she got along with, who she didn't get along with. It really just set the scene for this epic chat and really Carol's early days for her six-year run. Six years, guys, that's, that's longer than most. So we get into it. We ended the last part with, asking Carol a question of who she would rather be stuck on a deserted island with, Loanne, Bethany, or Aviva. This was Carol's reaction. Stay tuned. Hope you guys enjoy the second part of our epic chat with the one and only Miss Carol Razwell. Before we get there, I have one question. You've had your share of ups and downs. You know, we talked about Aviva. We talked about if you and Luann, if you had to film with one of these three people, like just say you were going to go back and you had to, or you had to go on a vacation, just one film or go on a vacation with one of these people, Aviva, Luann, or Bethany. Who, which of these three?
1: (laughs) Oh my God. That is a terrible question.
0: I mean- Like to be filmed or just to go on vacation? One-on-one vacation, like on an island, just the two of you, Bethany, Luann, or Aviva.
1: I mean, it's almost impossible to say. I mean, I I guess I, I, it's literally impossible. Like I'm trying to, I'm visualizing that. And uh, I can't, I can't extract, I can't like extrapolate the, experiences i've had with each of them you know
0: i'm giving you like flashback nightmares like i'm giving you yeah, ptsd I do,
1: I do have ptsd um i think everyone who leaves the show goes through at least a year or two of ptsd that's a real thing um probably should really pay for the therapy of 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 the jettisoned uh, housewives um i don't know i uh i, I don't I, I i i'm gonna plead the fifth
0: I never said they were all going to be easy questions, right?
1: <laughs> I I mean, other than may, maybe like oddly, maybe Aviva, because it's been so it's been almost 10 years. I, I don't know anything that's going on in her life or what, you know, and and I think I think more than most of them, she was really playing a role like a, she was so crazy. She was so crazy, you know, with throwing the leg and then never not being able to travel without her like everything was like so hyped up I think I think a lot of that was for for show right you know and and I think I think she I think Heather has said she's come to she's come to to understand the anger that I had towards her for for what she said about um what remains and um but now of course this is going to be some stupid headline okay so it's going to be some headline that that uh you know if I had to be on a deserted island with anyone, it would be a Viva dresser So I'm well, going to call it out as a headline right now.
0: I think the headline will be Carol Roswell wants to be friends with Aviva Viva again, or something <laughs> like that.
1: Or Carol shades Bethany and Luann. I don't know. You know, I. It's all. It's it's just cannon fodder. We used to say at ABC, cannon
0: fodder, just. You know, well, your friend Heather is friends with Aviva, so she can make that happen.
1: I know. I think she's she's. Uh, I know because she it's in my ear that she recently said. I think she did a podcast with her. And, and well,
0: she mentioned. Well, she did one with Aviva, but she also mentioned it here. Somehow it came up, and she's like, "Yeah, one day." She wasn't. It's not like an active plan, but she's like, "One day." Oh, really? Oh. I mean, I don't know if she's going to make it happen. I just think.
1: Well, I will say when Heather did decide to go back on the show, which I implored her not to do. I mean, I I said, I said, you know, okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna go back, I think what a fun scene to do on that show because I knew the other women, that like, there were the two new ones and then the three veterans. And like that does not make a show. I, I'm not a reality show producer, nor do I watch much of it, but I have that instinct and that's definitely not a show. So that's why they needed Heather uh, to be a sixth person. But also I thought it'd be a great scene. I said you've got to have lunch with Aviva bring Aviva back on and I just uh pictured the scene like of her just showing her legs walking in those same in the Christian Louboutin sandal that she threw that was attached to the leg that she threw at uh Cirque uh, Cirque whatever wherever we were the
0: Cirque
1: the Cirque um and I said what a great scene the audience I just thought the audience would love that Like you see Heather, you cut to Heather sitting, waiting at at lunch table and then the door opens and all you see are the legs with the legs with those shoes on. If she still had those shoes, I said, that would be epic. You got to do that. You got to do that. And she was going to. She was she was going to she was going to do that. I don't know. But of course, it 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 devolved into some grotesque uh, vaudeville show that first weekend. So
0: she was like, I'm not going back. Maybe you should be a reality TV producer. Do you see how I'm sitting here like with my mouth like, I'm like, (laughs) this is is like, I can picture it. And if she doesn't have those shoes, I'm sure if she said Bravo would have gone and found them somewhere, she would have
1: yeah, Yeah, I mean, how epic would that be? That would be so good.
0: (laughs) I would have gone and saying you, so you really told, because Heather said she called you, you were like, do not do this. Do not go back. called me
1: and said she was thinking about it. And I said, what what do you, and she said, well, you know, I'm just going to, signed some appearance contract I said send me the contract and she sent it. it was like three pages it was basically a five-year contract it was literally like it was crazy and I was like first of all you're not signing this and second of all I, I don't I really don't think you should do it it's not the show you remember it to be it's just uh, you know the cast is whack it doesn't make sense um the new girl, uh, you know, she had met Leah, I think, once before, but didn't know her at all. But she was just not someone I, I knew. Heather and I was like, you were just not going to be down with her. And I didn't know the new new girl, Ebony. Um, but you know, I, I just thought it was just going to be a bad. It was just going to be difficult for Heather because she she comes in with a little bit of a lightness, which I think um, credit to Bravo. They realized they needed you know something light, someone who's just going to be a little lighter and she didn't come across that way at all they really they really they really used her to create this crazy this crazy drama none of of which made sense at all right and they and they used her as I'll use my expression cannon fodder because all the other women had signed contracts right so she didn't sign a contract and there's always this thing on the show where the person who's on the show that doesn't have a contract like you don't align yourself with her cause she might not even be around. So you're not going to take a stand. Like, like Ebony in the episode I saw was not going to take a stand against Leah for in support of Heather. Right. When right. Heather, you know, I felt like it could have gone that way because um, Ebony at one point was explaining, like Heather said something about voting. Now, now that's a topic I knew a lot about because I had a, a, a drama about voting about not voting and sure you don't vote because the system's working for you great good for you well what about the, the system's not working for millions of people so yeah but it's a hard conversation to have and then and then that conversation turned into this crazy thing with Leah calling her Karen or something which actually is not the definition and made no sense And it was more about shall I say virtue signaling than anything else because it made no sense that that she would be called a Karen for saying like she should vote,
0: right? Right.
1: Not what the meaning of that is. It's completely distorted. And I thought that was a moment where Ebony could stand up and say, hey, wait a minute. But you're not going to align like every fight really was about the fight and also about the show. The the fights were about the show. So you weren't going to align yourself with some chick that's just just here for the weekend. Because, you know, you're going to, you're going to write battles and you're just going to, you're just going to let her twist in the wind because she might not be here. The other four are going to be here and they're, and they're gonna then they're going to do confessional interviews and they're going to be in the open with the apple, you know?
0: And especially when Leah at that point was like the darling, like after the first season, Leah was like the best thing that oh. ever happened. So yeah, like Ebony right. didn't know any better, even though now, I mean, Leah's I don't know not, what
1: happened to them now, but I mean, Ebony's, you know, she's very intelligent from what I saw in the, and, and very willing to, um, to go to the mat on subjects that, that I tried to a little bit in my, in the way that I could, but she, she was fierce and, and I kind of liked that, but it was, she's just like, that was this is a totally wrong show. Like, I've had her on
0: here twice and I've loved her both times personally, like just one on one. I've had a great, Time with her. I know. I,
1: I. I mean. I. Again. I only saw what was on the show, but I just thought, wow. I'm like, she's willing to go there, and I think that's great. And, um, but she. It just felt like she was completely miscast in that. She would be great on the View and some of those like, you know, political adjacent uh, shows. I think mean, she'd be fantastic. Um, I but, think so. You know she. She's a smart. Woman, she's making her own decisions, and she probably has a game plan. But, but, um, but, yeah, and and uh, and she's right. It is production, you know. At the end of the day, it is production. I know no one likes to say production, but they decide what goes in the show and what goes out of the show. They decide what you know the, the subjects that are going to come up that they're going to fuel, and then the subjects that come up that they're going to damper you know it it is production and that if they're recasting the whole show they should recast the they should get rid of the production company and get production I, i said that so many years i'm gonna get hate mail now but i i just felt like a it's a production company that's based in burbank they really don't have a good vibe about what new york is about and um so just get a production company that is based in New York, that really knows New York, that really knows what we do here, what the dynamic is, because it's really subtle, you know? It's like you can't over The essence of what New York is is hard to pinpoint, whereas like in Be- in, in Beverly Hills, it's, pr- it's easier, you know, famous people, right? It's like they're all actresses at this point or models or whatever. Um, you know, but New York is subtle, and it's such a delicate dynamic that you really... They really need to understand it, and I think they would Darva would be better served if they had a different production company.
0: Do you and think I that's heard that
1: to them so many times why well, I'm not on the show? No, and no
0: one and no one wanted <laughs> to hear you, and no one wanted to hear from. You.
1: Well, no, I just felt like the season I left in season ten, it was really difficult to work with with production because I could see then very clear like two reasons. I wasn't willing to make myself smaller anymore and I also could clearly see what was going on um, in terms of the manipulation of the storylines and and the fact that like like, you know they were completely ill-prepared at what happened in in Colombia with the boat uh, trip and like I just got I was like who and then you just sort of quiet like wait a minute who is running this and what this is not okay and you know I had some uh, experience with producing you know news. Yeah. You know, 10 years of producing for Peter Jennings and Diane Sawyer and all of them. And you you had to be on your game. Like you came every day with your A game, right? Your A game. And here it is. It's like, wait, what the fuck is happening? And it's not only not on their A game, they're not even, they're not even in the game. And I just thought, and I could just see that whole season. And as it played out on the show, that it was just, it was just, they were getting away from what really made the show good, you know, and that was, I really think the, the, the naturalness, right? They were, they were just manufacturing these storylines that just didn't make sense. And, you know, I always said when the audience is, the audience is really smart and I must say the Mm -hmm. fans for the show are kind of amazing and I've only had good interaction. I mean, there are haters and stuff and I get a, some hate on, on social media, but when I interact with them in person, they're just fantastic. And they have an institutional memory of every season, every episode, every storyline. it's quite uh, spectacular, their breadth of knowledge about the show. So when they're confused, you know it's because there's something not working because it's not a real story. It's not, it's manufactured in a way that they're trying to put like a square you know, peg into a round hole and dust doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And uh, and I saw that they were doing that in season 10 and they continue to do it. And Dorinda went up against it when in the season that she was in. And um, yeah, so listen, they, you know, I, I'm not saying that, like I, I, I'm not a producer on, and, you know, I'm sure the production company, I'm sure I was happy with the production company, but, you know, they make choice, you know, uh, they make choices, you know, like, uh, you know, and they've said things about, me on the show that weren't particularly flattering. So I'm not gonna sit here and say they're amazing because I, I, don't, I don't think they are. I mean, for instance, keeping that scene in with Heather on, on, at when she was talking to them and they were accusing her of, of Leah was reading some nonsense on some fake blog thing about what apparently was said in the press, um, which was her podcast. And then Luann, like out of the blue, she was like, called me a bitch. Right? That happened. Okay. Yeah. She called me a bitch. But she
0: said rats a well, I think, or something. Ratsy or something like that. She said,
1: she's she she said, Heather, who were you talking to with on your podcast? And Heather said, I was talking to Carol. And she said, She's such a bitch. Okay. So that happened. Right. So a lot of things happened in that dinner that the audience will never hear about or see. Right. But Bravo chose to put that in, calling me a bitch. I haven't been on the show for three seasons. They ha- and, and then they have her confessional where they say, she says, oh, everyone, I think of Carol, I swipe right or left. And, and then she's like, Ratsville, right? She called me Carol Ratsville. That line was given to her, right, by a producer. I think a show run I'm pretty sure which one it was. It was given to her to say, you should say this. So she delivers this line, which she did not make up. She does not have a sense of humor. She does not. She was given the line and she repeated it. So in that way, it's like, okay, Bravo, you know, touche. Okay. I've been slagging you a little bit uh, on various podcasts or, or on social media. And that was your, and, but I'm saying, it's like, you're a corporation, you're a billion dollar company, and I'm just a single girl with bills, right? I'm just here. I was on your show. I produced six years of content for your show. And that's what you're going to do. You're going to call me a bitch and then give give one of the characters a line call, making fun of my married name. I'm like, I'm not, gonna, you know, I bought a mug. Welcome to Ratsville. You know, like I'm going to lean into it. I don't care really. But those are the decisions that Bravo is making. Now, season 11, my first season off the show, my name came up a lot. Because I was. A, it, it was never on the show. Do, Ramona and Dorinda would call me and like, your name came up. And every time my name would come up in a scene, the producers would scurry out and say, stop talking about Carol. Don't talk about her. Don't, because it, was in, it wasn't, they weren't calling me a bitch and they weren't making fun of my name. Um, and it was never in the show. It was literally like, that season, remember, De- Dennis had passed away. Dennis was right. talked about more on the show than I was talked about. And he was, he had passed away. I was still alive and here and and involved in some friendships with some of the women, but Bravo never spoke about me. My name never came up in the show. It was like, it was a mandate passed down. Do not speak about Carol yet. Here we are three seasons later and they have an opportunity to call me a bitch and they take it. So it's like, okay, Bravo, touche.
0: Touche, but right. They're a corporation. You are right.
1: Exactly. So when I say that they're steeped in misogynistic sexist narratives and stuff, I say that, you know, not just out of pettiness. I just say that because that's how I feel. That's what I saw. That's what I see on the show. And that's what they prove, you know, by, by doing that. There's no reason my name had to come up in that scene at all.
0: Right. And Heather brought that up when she was here too. She's oh, like, she did. She, right, she's like, well, I I don't know how it came up, but I asked her something, and she was like, "Let me make this clear." And she just she brought it up. She's like, "This is not okay," and like, Carol's not part of the show. Like, I, I went back, not her. So why? Yeah, I'll be...
1: but you know what? See, I'll... your
0: friend is sticking up for you I on know. this podcast. Well, I'm, here.
1: I'm sure she said something at the time that was cut out. You know, I mean, you know, so maybe Heather could say, "Don't you say don't." Who knows what happened. All I know is there's hundreds, thousands of decisions gone into every single hour of that show because we film 100 hours a week and they cut it to 43 minutes. There's a lot of decisions being made about what stays in and what goes out. And the fact that they hand her this line to say, and it's just silly. And I don't hold it against her at all. Like, you know, I've called Luann, you know, I've taken Luann to task in social media and she was getting back at me a little. But the fact is Bravo is making a decision to keep that in. Whereas the other times my name would come up. It was like, oh yeah, yeah,
0: we don't want to. Interesting.
1: Carol's dead to us.
0: Right. That first season after you were gone. Well, speaking of your exit, just since you're right here, you know, you talk about things. You're a journalist, Carolyn. Carol, I may be a princess, but I'm definitely not a drama queen. I love that. Well, I just have my behind the velvet rope, but now I want a mug that says, welcome to Ratsville.
1: (laughs) No, someone like literally the next day, Maybe Betches, like that feed, uh, Instagram came out with a mug. It says, welcome to rest.
0: <laughs> you should just, you should make t-shirts. You should lean into it and get a piece of the action yourself. I mean, Good.
1: I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. If I was a true capitalist, I would be doing that. But that's, just not my, not my speed.
0: This is where my sick they, mind they goes. Did send,
1: they did send me. I mean, I, I, I want, I, I DM them and said, oh my God, that's it's hilarious. I, I'd love to order one. And they were like, oh, we'll send you one. So I was like, okay. So they sent me one. Thanks, Bravo.
0: I love that. Well, I was going to ask you because you're here. So I want to hear it from you directly because so many things are said about so many different things. The one thing with you that is said over and over and over is two things. One, that A, you were let go because you at the reunion said to Andy, you're so full of shit, Andy.
1: I said so much more than that to Andy, but they didn't keep- Uh, I'm just telling you
0: that's one thing that comes up all the time
1: maybe um
0: and then the other is that is that Bethany walked in and said it's her or me
1: I mean knowing uh knowing the two of them right um I would say it's probably more the latter and not the former I I feel like and I don't I, I feel like If there was an ultimatum made it wasn't from andy you know it was because listen andy's in charge andy doesn't have to put that in where i called called him and uh full of shit fuck off i don't know i said a lot of things i mean i don't know they didn't put all of it in but but he was full of shit i i just called it like he was totally full of shit he was defending indefensible behavior uh it was clear not only to me but to the rest of the women on the couch Um, and, you know, I thought the reunion was the time where you can like tell the truth, break the fourth wall, how they do now actually in the season, right? They all do it in the season. Um, uh, and, and it wasn't that way. I, I, I couldn't, you know, I I mean, I did as much as I, I could, but there was definitely this feeling like Andy was protecting, um, Bethany and I get it, you know, again, it's a brand and she's the star of the show. And I understood that. And he was, they were going to, they were going to circle the wagon. So I, even though Bravo never said that to me, obviously they wouldn't, but I always, you know, probably felt like, oh, okay, I got it. If you have to pick one, it's definitely not going to be me. Um, but listen, that reunion was gaslighting. Like you can't imagine, like I've been gaslit. Obviously you're on a reality show where women are saying things that like you said and you're like i didn't say that or that never happened you do know, that happens every that happened every ep- every episode through all the years and but the gaslighting the concentration of gaslighting that went into to that was focused directly on me at that reunion was so intense and you know and and uh i remember even after the reunion i was i said you know it's funny because i always held them to the same standard as like 2020 or 60 minutes i'm like these are the facts and they're like we don't care about the facts carol like okay but i would send like emails saying with bullet points like this is what i said this is what she said this is what happened then this then like with with what do they call it receipts like i had receipts but i would send them to production i had some receipts at the reunion i had all the receipts at the reunion they sort of let me say some of them but not all of them um you know and it made for good television i guess you know made for good television but but i um but but i remember after after the after the reunion i fired off like three emails to all of not everyone at bravo i mean i i left Francis berwick out of it <laughs> she's the top of the top but everyone below francis berwick who now is the including Andy, andy. collins okay. right. yes to andy and everyone at production and the executives in charge of bravo with you know video clips of the show what was said what wasn't said you know all this stuff um but I feel like I knew that it was it was done I would have done it again if we could come to some kind of arrangement just for the money I I probably would have and I would have hated myself for it because again it wasn't aligning with who I was as a person and uh but you know I'm I'm gonna be honest I, I I likely would have done it another season we were getting paid a lot of money at that time and just you know kind of mailed it in I think they knew that I was having a lot of arguments with production with the executives at 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 Bravo I mean it was it was really rough and and I remember in the season during when we were filming all the producers like this is your best season it's so good oh my god you're really getting in there and like I was like "Uh (laughs) uh-oh when the producers are telling you it's really great it's not going to be good for you in your life um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it was, it was time for me to go. Um, I'm, uh, you know, but again, I, I probably had, they not made that decision, whether it was an ultimatum or not. And again, this is conjecture because I don't know, but I, I can suspect, um, based on experience. Um, I, I might've done, I might've done another season. It wouldn't, wouldn't have been great. I wasn't, I was just I was starting to feel crazy. I would I'd be honest. I I didn't go into the show crazy. I'm a very level-headed person. I'm whatever the what do they voice of reason. I'm a very reasonable person. I'm, I'm again by training and nature a, a journalist. So I'm very rooted in facts and logic and all that stuff. That just doesn't work when you're on a show like that. And it was it was playing with my head. You know, it, I was I was starting to feel crazy. And I'm sure I did some crazy things. And I'm like I'm I'm starting to become become like more like them when i knew going in in season five i was like i'm so not like them
0: interesting well and one couldn't blame you for going back after because it would have been your seventh season and it would have been money a lot of money like you said they're all everyone that's what they're doing it for, for it's a job it's a contract it's
1: it's like you're producing content and it's another way for me as a storyteller whether it's journalism or writing or publishing articles and it's a, it's a way of telling stories that I found kind of interesting for a while. And then, you know, you realize you have no agency on that show.
0: Do you think like, cause you think knowing the person you said, like, it's possible Bethany went in and gave this ultimatum. Do you think like you would have been let go anyway, or do you think that really had anything to do with it? I think the fight, I think that
1: the, our, the, the, our friendship, dissolving our friendship at that point would have, what was was the reason I, I don't, I don't think, um, uh, yeah, I think, I, th- I think, it had everything to do, everything to do with that. I, they didn't like the way I didn't fight in a, in a housewifey kind of way. Like I didn't cry or get my feelings hurt or like, I was just like, fact, 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 well, let's see what you really said. Let's you know, and I, you know, and then like my blogs were like excruciating. I mean, they just like, like, killed uh, you know everything I wrote was like rooted in in facts and rationale and stuff and and it was hard to it, it, it was I can't fight I wasn't fighting like a housewife you know I wasn't going to get drunk and cry about this you know losing a friendship that I, at that point I realized was just like for her you know maybe just for the show
0: well and you're a journalist to give her,
1: to give her a break uh, she I think she probably going into that season knew that she was going to have to have some beef with me because it made sense. The two best friends, then two years later, three years later, they have, you know, uh, a fight. Uh, But I don't think she, I don't think, I think she, even Andy once said to me early, early on when we were filming, like that she had said something like that. She really didn't want to fight with me. Um, and I, be- and I believe that, and I don't think she expected me to fight back the way that I did. And it just became, we were like, you know, two bulls.
0: Yes. I'm just picturing how much time it must take you to do this email to and production. because I mean, with like clips and receipts, okay. that sounds like it took, I mean, I, I, I get I'm it. I'm so like good a at a no, no, Yeah, no, really You're good good probably at yeah. great at
1: it. I'm really good at it. You know, all my training working for Peter Jennings when I was 24, like I knew how to Deliver the the, the uh, uh, a dossier, <laughs> and it, believe me, it wasn't my first to production. It was like my tenth.
0: Do you think that was like the final nail in the coffin, or do you think, no? think it so. just you were? Yeah, you I, think, do. I
1: think I don't know. No, no, not that. I think at that point we you know because I because I said I was being gaslit because the the incident was like on the show. You'll see it on the reunion. Maybe they. I think they kept it in because. I don't know. At one point, Bethany was like, I don't have anything in common with her. She has no job, no career, no husband, no child. And I said this on the show, which it did really hurt my, you know, I can't, I'm just not the, I have a lot of pride, you know? So it, maybe it didn't come across that. It really hurt me that she would say something like that because I, definitely considered her up into the point, And I only heard that when the, we, I was watching it. So I learned that she said that with the rest of the world. Right. And up into that point, up to the point where I was watching the show and seeing how it was unfolding and the stuff that she was saying, um, I still had great affection for her. So like, I was just like, Oh, wow. You know, we had a rough season, but then I saw the show and I was like, Whoa, wait. And what happens is the show's airing, but you're still doing those confessional interviews. So you're seeing so you'll like Andy said, well, you said shit about her. And like, yeah, I did the very last confessional interview I filmed was like two weeks before the reunion. But I had seen the whole season of all this terrible shit that she was saying. So uh, so I went in. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, now I'm going to say, you know what I think. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise.
0: What a wonderful day! is the most wonderful time of the year, but you know what? Your mouth gives a lot of action this time of year. It's talking to all of those relatives, all that food and drink that you're putting in it, karaoke parties, or perhaps a mistletoe makeout. Listen, give your mouth a gift of better oral care with Quip. This is why I love it. It's lightweight. It has a sleek design. There's no wires or bulky charger. It also has reusable handles and a range of sleek metal hues or as I prefer bright plastic colors, Quip has so many stocking stuffers as well. Refillable mouthwash, refillable gum, floss. If you go to getquip.com velvet right now on top of their holiday savings, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free and up to 40% off bundles at getquip.com velvet. That's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash Velvet, Quip, the Good Habits Company. I'm in such a good mood because I just got my new rain jacket, t-shirts, and sweaters in the mail from Tentry. Not only are these products fashion forward, but they're earth-friendly. Tentry sells lots of different products, including clothing, underwear, outerwear, activewear, and more. What I love is that not only are these fashion forward, like I said, but everything they make is manufactured ethically and from materials that are either sustainably sourced or recycled. Besides being sustainable... Tentry clothing is so soft and so comfortable. I'm already wearing these t-shirts like all day and all night. Listen. For every item purchased from Tentree, they plant 10 trees, and this helps take carbon out of the air, replenish ecosystems, and it gives jobs to tree planters and communities around the world. To learn more about Tentree's planting mission and to grab some comfy, sustainable clothes, check out their website, www.tentree.com. And because you're listening to this podcast, use code VELVET to get 15% off your first order. That's www.tentree.com use code velvet to get 15% off your first order. The holidays can be the most wonderful time of the year. Okay, I'll leave this thing in to someone else. But if you're running an online store, you do know that it also can be the craziest time of the year. I was going through this with the behind the velvet rope merchandise. I had all that to manage. I had so many orders to fill and I had a growing list of stressed out listeners checking in twice a day, wondering where everything was. Well, I found ShipStation. The hassle of shipping out holiday orders and all of this merch has just melted away. Listen, if you sell anything online, I don't need to tell you that shipping can be super frustrating. There are so many carriers and a ton of factors that go into figuring out the best rate for each order. What I love about ShipStation also is you can easily import orders from every sales channel, Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or your own website. Also, ShipStation works with all major carriers, international and local, including FedEx, USPS, UPS. Make this holiday season a little brighter with ShipStation. Use my offer code VELVET to get a 60-day free trial. Just enough time to handle the holiday rush. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top, and enter code VELVET. ShipStation. Make ship happen. Have you ever been excited by that big sign free trial? You sign up and you don't even realize it's a subscription that renews without your consent. My life has changed since I discovered Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forget about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions so hard to cancel. Have you ever actually realized you were paying for a subscription and then tried to cancel it, you have to scroll around that website so many times, click so many buttons. Truebill makes it so simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com velvetrope Go right now. Truebill.com velvetrope It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash velvet row. Well, I know what you guys were doing in the early 2000s. It's the same thing I was doing. Millions of households across the world turned into watch contestants battle for the last rose or to be the final survivor on an island. Reality TV at this time was beginning to dominate the airwaves in every show needed to be bigger, flashier, and more scandalous than the last. But in the case of one infamous dating show, the real drama was happening off screen. The reality TV series, There's Something About Miriam, seemed like a pretty standard dating competition. Six young men vied for the affection of Miriam Rivera, a beautiful model from Mexico. But when Miriam revealed that she was a trans woman during the show's finale, the on-screen drama sparked an international uproar about gender sexuality, and whether reality television had gone too far. Wondery's new podcast miniseries, Harsh Reality, the story of Miriam Rivera, reveals what happened behind the scenes on how a multi-million dollar lawsuit and media fallout changed reality TV forever. Follow Harsh Reality, the story of Miriam Rivera on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app but um, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So it, you know, anyway, but well, I don't know what my point was. My point was I did feel hurt about the things that she was saying, especially like I have no husband. Okay. Well, my husband passed away and we didn't have children. And that didn't like, it's not like I wouldn't have wanted children with my husband or after it was anyone, but just didn't work out for me. Right. So in that way, but I brought it up at the reunion, and they like they just all of them like came down on me like and said she never said that she knew. Andy was like screaming at me, and, and then he was like he has an IFB. You know what that is? A uh, ear. Yeah. Uh, now like, they call them, he's like l- listening IFB.
0: to like the control room or whoever. Used to be called an
1: IFB uh, professionally they're IFBs, but now they're like iPods or whatever little AirPods. And he's he's talking to the control room. And and not only is he saying she never said that about my husband and a child, but that she's she, like the producers are telling me they're looking at the show right now in the control room. And, and she definitely didn't say that. Well, I know that they're not screening the show in the control room. The, in, there is no control room. That's screening the show while right. we're for you. reunions. I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yes, I've got definitive word. She never said that. And it was just nuts. It was You're
0: like, crazy. I won Emmys for producing. Like you forget that I, this right. is, I know I've, there's no
1: control room where they're like screening 10 15 episodes of a show to find out exactly, you know, what it was just nuts. I, I almost thought um, I was going to like get up and leave, but you know, I, I got, I was just going to get up and leave, like do one of those. But then I felt like self-conscious about that. Like, I felt like, that's so housewifey, Carol, like to get up and be all indignant, but I did feel indignant. I did feel outraged that, that I, that I was, you know, that, that they were not only not, uh, they, they were protecting this storyline and again, and, and gaslighting me, but like, I, then I did, but now, you know, that is another regret. I should have just stormed off, Right. And, ha- and hailed a cab outside and like. <laughs>
0: that would have been very housewifey of you. I
1: know. But did I wish you... I did that. I wish I did that now.
0: But it sounds like you knew, like you said, at that point, they're protecting Bethany at all costs. Like...
1: Yeah. And I totally understood the decision. I'm not going to say that. I I, I understood. And, I, you know, it, it was it was just it was a very hard season to watch and a very, very difficult reunion to, to sit through. It, it was. Um, and I, and I knew I, uh, after the you that know, I remember calling my accountant and saying like, okay, like if I do not do the show again, that's X amount of dollars I'm not going to get like, am, am I okay for like a year or two or three? You know, I was just, it was, it was, it was that style.
0: That's what they count on. It's like, you're miserable and you're like ready to walk out. And then they're like, well, here's the next check for the next season. And you're like, oh. <laughs> okay, May, maybe I wasn't that miserable. I, mean, I know, I, know then, I was, but no, that you was get two it. weeks ago, yeah. Stockholm syndrome, right? You was
1: just like, all right, well, let's see. Like Heather and I are really close now, and we could do something. And then you know, Ramona was always—I know she's nuts, but she was always, she was always about the show, right? So she could always do something with her that she, you know, she was doing for the show that would work. You know, that would, and, and she wasn't afraid to make herself look but crazy.
0: Yeah, I yeah. know. Ramona she's has the delivered. She,
1: she's the workhorse of that. And certainly this past season after Heather left, she's, she's, she, held that, she held that together, that show together, I think, more than any of the others.
0: You think this past season, Ramona is the one who kind of held I did, it together? I'm going to
1: preface this by saying I did not watch the whole season, but I could tell just in the three episodes that I saw, three or four episodes that Heather was in, that, that I could see anyone who knows how to film reality and what I could see what Ramona was doing. And I could see that she was, she was engaging with all the women in the way that she was trying to connect all the fights and, and make dramas and stuff. And I don't think, you know, as an audience, just watching it, they'd understand that she was doing that. Um, and, uh, and a lot of it was not, did not make her look good. Um And, but in that way, she was really carrying that show, at least in the episodes I saw. A lot of the other stuff was just silly theatrics that, that, that are good for like an episode or a, or a segment. But it doesn't, it's not like the work of building these narratives that have got to have legs across 10 episodes, not just the, se- the seven minute segment you're in right at that point.
0: Is that why you think like, because the ratings, because this is what I go back to, like, you know, the ratings were so low and part of it was people screamed like night. You know, it's too political, BLM. Uh-huh. It's too serious. But to mm-hmm. me, it's like, well, didn't Carol? I mean, like, what's the difference? Like you well, okay. talked about I these things, was, and I'm not coming for you. I'm saying, but it, the ratings were fine when you were there.
1: The ratings mm-hmm. were. You great. talked
0: about an election, yeah? They, they were great. Okay, they, yeah. Right.
1: Let's okay. The ratings were great, <laughs> Carol.
0: But like, what's the difference with your, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of talk of people saying like, see, Carol knew how to do it. She, she talked about it, but she talks Um, about lots of fun things too. And I'm not coming for Ebony. I I personally love Ebony.
1: Yeah. No, no. I thought, I thought, I thought what she was saying on the show was so important. I just don't think it, it, that is not the vehicle for which those discussions should be taken. You know, like her, her, calling Luann out when Luann said she was an angry black woman. I mean, you, you have to literally be living on Mars to not understand that trope of the angry black woman. I mean, it's not even like you, you, you just have to be so in your own head or your own world that you over, this is hundreds of years. This is not just like uh, a post George Floyd world where, oh yeah. And the black women are real. This is something that is that black women have dealt with for, a century, if not more and more. So like for Luann to step in it, I was like, that makes sense because that's who she is. Um, but Ebony to call her out on it, I thought was really important, you know? But again, as an audience member, I'm thinking, yeah, you call her out on it and then and then it turns into something else, like where it's like you try to turn it into something more humorous, but it was hard. I mean, I get it ebony is a black woman she's faced like she can't just be funny about it all the time right because this is every day her existence right Um, so you know so uh you know when i called the out for wearing black face you know it was i called her out it was kind of very odd to see her walk in the party and even though because again you have stockholm syndrome and you're in this bubble of housewives and you're and i remember thinking is she wearing is she wearing blackface? Like, what, what is happening right now? <laughs> and not saying it at the time because you just feel like, again, you're kind of being gaslit maybe. Wait, what? this is very, and the big afro. And everyone was loving it. And they were like, oh my God, she was so great. She looks so great. And I remember going over to what they call Video Village. I said, can I see what she looks like on camera? And I looked and I'm like, she is weird. Like, I, I couldn't tell like, if it was maybe just the way in real life what you know? Maybe I was over. I was exaggerating. I was like making you know because I, I didn't have any love lost for Louis at this point. What I'm making, but then I saw it on the video. I was like, Jesus Lord! And then I brought it up the next day, but it was completely, easily, quickly dismissed. And I'm not a black woman, so I couldn't stand there and preach about what it really was about and why that's not okay, and the and the and the history of. of of blackface. Like, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm like a white, skinny white chick. Like, I'm not gonna preach that. Um, But um, I think so. Yeah, thank you. Okay, sorry, my dog just came That's my dog walking.
0: um i love how you see this luann with like the black face and the afro and then you actually have to question yourself of what your eyes are seeing like you're not is this this what housewives does to you like you're seeing something physically in front of you you're like am
1: i really seeing this yes i literally had to go and look on the on the t on the monitors that where the producers were they were always like in a room you know right next to us filming and uh and then um and, and then also, and I will say, if anyone was sex positive on the show, like literally I from season one, I would be like every secret Santa I was giving the ladies vibrators and talking pretty openly about sex. It's something I talk about and I feel comfortable talking about and, 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 uh, and, uh, and in that way, I talked about it with Ramona. Right. But, it, you know, when you, when you are just vulgar about it, like to, to couch sex positivity in vulgarity it's different it just hits differently like I, I I remember a scene when we were all in Vermont and we were kind of like a little tipsy um at a dinner and it was again three hours we're like blah 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 this is boring I said let's play a game truth or dare and then I, I asked Ramona because they always wanted us to talk about sex and all that stuff, right? So yeah. I asked Ramona if something about oral sex was that. And Ramona said very strongly, she's like, she came out and said, she doesn't believe oral sex is sex. So now this is a reveal of Ramona Singer, the good Catholic girl. So like in that way, she was totally comfortable talking about it with me in, in a way that she wasn't, um, um, you know, uh, aggressively, lectured to about it. So we made, right. I, it turned into a game. And then I thought that was a pretty big reveal. And she's talking about oral sex, not being sex. And I'm like, really? So how many men have you had this not sex sex with? And like, and it, and it, and it was a, a good conversation that we all could participate in, but sitting at a dinner and talking about, you know, a- anal, uh, and I actually brought up anal sex too, in that same dinner. And, and then Tinsley famously said, I only had it with my husband, and which really blew my mind because when I said truth or dare, when was the last time you? And, and again, I couched it in this funny. When was the last time you had anal sex? I thought for sure she was going to take the dare,
0: right? right? Like of you know all it. people, yeah. Like Tins right. is not going to talk about. So this. she
1: and she like like she's like uh, um, I only once with, and it was with my husband, and I thought, whoa, <laughs> but you know, of course we talked about it all. Did I sit there and talk about rooming and, you know, anal this and that and my vagina this, vagina that? No, you know, because no one really wants to hear. You know, that's like, that's just, that's just vul- vulgar. And it wasn't
0: for shock value. And this situation.
1: No, no, it was because I was trying to draw out, draw them out, right? In a way that revealed something about their personality or their thinking and not not just saying something vulgar and, and you know, and, and, and under the, Umbrella of sex, you know, being positive about sex. So I don't know. Maybe that's I, I just did it differently. I, I don't know. And not to say that my way was a better way. I, I don't know. But I would say if you're just looking at ratings, that was a, you know, maybe that's a piece of it, you know. But it was really, it, it was it was everything. We we had a really good cast for, for a few years there. Like we were just really jiving.
0: Do you think that's what it is too? Is that like, like to your point, these weren't real connections, you know what I mean? Like they weren't real friendships, so to speak, like I think that's part of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They got away with what their main, their main core uh, casting. Um, I I mean, it's like they sell the show to advertisers as wealthy women navigating New York social scene and friendships. And then they weren't casting necessarily like that. So, um, you know, you know, and plus again, housewives like they really need to be in their mid 40s to mid 50s and Ramona's even even older but like only because there's a lot of life experience that that you hit between 35 and 45 you really kind of women I think come into their own and they also have spent at least a good decade in the delusion of their bubble right you know their bubble And that's important. Right. I'm not saying that the others wouldn't make for good reality shows in a different show. It's just the Housewives is very specific. And again, I you know, it's production's choices with casting. And, uh, you know, and I hear that they want to cast younger. It, It doesn't work. And 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 it's classic New York to come out now and say, oh, we want to cast younger when they're they're. Best casting that they've done since I think Dorinda in season seven, their best casting is an older woman who everyone is in love with and should be in love with because she's quintessential what a housewife is, and that's Kathy Hilton. So New York is looking at, right? You're looking, this is all the information you have. You're like, wow, this woman is a breakout star. She's amazing on the show. And I get it. Amazing. Amazing. She's not younger. So then you, you take that and that's what you, that's the lesson. You, that's what you extrapolate from that superstar casting. Oh, I really think we need to, to cast younger ones. When you cast younger ones and it hasn't quite worked out well. So it's just a, you know, it's production. And Ebony was blaming production and she was right.
0: That's a good point. I didn't really think about that with Kathy Hilton, but that is a good point.
1: Right. And look at the franchise. Who, who, who did you, what are the recent hires that have really crushed it? And the audience really identifies with, and, 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 and listen, I, I don't know all of them. And again, I just see it on social media, but I, you know, Kathy Hilton is like the best casting since I would say Dorinda Medley in season seven, who was fantastic when she came on board.
0: I would agree so with you both don't, of that. then,
1: then the, the lesson isn't let's cast
0: younger. <laughs> it's
1: like, what?
0: It's a strange.
1: I am giving them so much good advice that I should be getting paid.
0: You should be getting paid. I you need a consultant. And you really think like changing the production company to like a New York base. I mean,
1: I think so. I had said, i would said that, you know. Time and time again, you know, I, I just thought, may, you know, maybe the New York, L.A. thing doesn't come into play. But just even if it didn't, like I just think some of the choices that this particular production company has made over the past several years, uh, e- even since season five, has just been questionable. And it's like, give another production company a shot, like maybe, you know, and, and in a way to recast the whole show. I'm not saying, you know, it's terrible because these women, it's their livelihood and, and especially the three veterans have done this and they built that franchise and they built that brand on their backs for 13 years. And, you, you know, it, it's, you can't just say, see ya. I mean, I was on for six years. Now, let me just put that in perspective. Six years is longer than most scripted co- comedy so- dramas. Like Seinfeld was maybe seven or eight years, right? So six years on a show, that's a long time and that's a lot of content and that's a, that's that's that, that's not just to be like okay goodbye right and that was six years which they did to me but 13 years is just is almost unheard of except out of soap operas
0: but if they're done with them i mean you know there's not going to be any consolation prize
1: well, I don't know. You know, there should be some, I don't know, severance, at least a watch. I remember saying, I'm like, am I going to get a watch? <laughs> am I going to get something? <laughs> it's like,
0: I like. I hope like a Rolex or at I least. Like
1: something. I would even take a, like a, a, like a entry level Cartier, you know, a three. Okay. 000, like well, a that's very level.
0: nice of you, Carol.
1: I never got it. I didn't even get flowers. No, but I'm saying I don't like to say you, you, you know, I know Heather said like recast it, and she's right, you know, but, you know, it, it, you are talking about people's livelihoods as it was mine for quite for that time. Right. So you. Um, so, yeah, you know, I would say, you know, I, I would say maybe a new production company, well, you know, the, 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 the new production company might might serve Bravo better in the New York City area
0: but it's your point before it sounds like you think Ramona is like a quintessential like she's a star according to you I'm not and I'm not saying she's not like
1: her people, and maybe I'll get hate for the people I know people don't like her and she's very polarizing but in the same way so is Bethany so you know that they are they are that's what you you need on the show but you know listen it's not 2011 anymore when I first got on the show when you have a show built on female betrayal these narratives that are steeped in patriarchal tropes, um, does that last? I mean, in 2021, does that last post me too? Does that la- like, that's what the shows are, you know, you're counting on female betrayal and, you know, these kind of shaming uh, uh, narratives, not to mention then like, the criminal element is just like the icing on the cake. This <laughs> is the cherry.
0: Well, to that point, like, do you think maybe, you know, like ratings are pretty much down not for Beverly Hills because of this whole Erica thing and Kathy, Pot- and Kathy Hilton and Potomac is up a little but Like, do you think there's maybe just a different world to your point that maybe this is like the big, everything ends. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think so. I think, I think everything, everything comes to its logical conclusion and, and, you know, it's like we learned one thing during the pandemic is like the need to pivot, right? And if you're not going to pivot, you know, you're, you're eventually going to, you know, become the, the dinosaur. And, and it'll always be a cultural phenomenon. And when they started in 2007, do you know, the only, the only uh, it started at a, m- a month later, Twitter was launched. That's how long ago it was. I like, think wow. about it. Twitter. There's no Instagram, Facebook was around, but no one was using it. So, um, you know, it's a, like I said, hats off to Bravo. They created a really powerful brand and they align themselves with, with, with the issues and narratives that maybe don't play as well in 2021.
0: I don't necessarily. It's funny,
1: right? Like I was just talking and, you know, as I said, I could talk when you're laughing and doing an interview is quite different as it's going to happen with this podcast. When you see it in black and white on the page, it kind of lands differently. So I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of stuff that that is not gonna that's gonna make me sound like um, you know, I'm
0: shading the women or whatever language they use. But what was I gonna say to you? Well, because you say you wanted to be part of the cultural phenomenon, which it is, like when people look back, when Housewives is over, because I hate to break it to everyone listening, everything in the entire world is gonna end. Like, what do you think people are going to say about housewives, like 10, 20 years from now? Like, holy shit, these women are crazy. Like, I what mean, the hell was this disaster? Or like, no, it withstands stands the test of time.
1: I don't know if it stands the test of time in the way that um, all in the family really stood. Like, think about all in the family in the 70s, right? He was a racist. Amazing. He was... He was that guy, and they were, and they did that because it was scripted so brilliantly that, and it was satire, right? That's what it was, and is he was satirizing the current climate of the culture at the time, and and um. So I think like a show like that does land differently. I don't know if I don't know if Housewives is going to have the same appreciation twenty years from now. We're going to look back. I mean, I hope it does because I was part of it, you know. And there's a part of me that. You know, I, I have an ego too, and I'm like, well, I'd like it to be thought of as this great cultural moment where we were doing something that was reflecting what was going on in in in, uh, in our culture. Um, but I don't know. I think I think now, like I said, it, it feels different. You know, to to to, and maybe they'll pivot, and maybe it won't be um i I, you know i think if you look at the kathy hilton experience and you see how she said what she talks about and how she confronts the other women there's just a different quality that's that i think they need to get back to that they need to get back to you know talking about oral sex with ramona in a way that she doesn't feel threatened or shamed right yeah that like underlying like wink wink we're in on the joke
0: yeah. And listen, I mean I, I wasn't coming for Ramona. Like when Ramona was scurrying, like Ebony was talking about our current vice president and Ramona was scurrying. She like could not get out of the she didn't know where to look. She couldn't get out of the I'm like, this is the exact same thing as Bethany being under the cabinet when Carol is talking about yeah, it. Like I didn't it's literally that. Yeah. But it's but like,
1: Bethany could get away with it for some reason in a way Ramona didn't. But the both of them are the workhorses of the show. And it's funny because I didn't know Bethany was crawling in the cabinet. I just thought she was bending down to get something out of the cabinet. And only when I saw the show, I was like, Jesus, you know, she's like trying to make me look crazy. Like, I'm not crazy. Everyone in the country is talking about this. I was going to talk about it. Um, But anyway, here is what he said. He said, would you mind looking at this epitaph quote? Now, I don't know if it's my, like, is this my, is this gonna be on my tombstone? (laughs) And he says, um, this is what I say, the editing is the lie, the camera is the truth. But the reality is every fight you see on the show from the silly bickering over not being invited to a party to the table flips, wine tosses and leg throws are always about the show itself. When you are filming, if someone barely offended you, you had to rise to the level of being more morally wounded, mortally wounded. But what you were really upset about was how the audience was going to view it and whether that drama was going to make them a star or make them make you look like a whatever, fill in the blank, sexist, racist, delusional person. And, And it really was like all the all the fights I thought were about whatever petty thing was going on. And listen, the petty are the better. The petty fights are the funniest. And that's what the audience loves. That's the guilty pleasure of the show, the pettiness. But when, when it became, when, when the fights would escalate to beyond the petty to the really like nastiness, it was like, there was always a piece of you. And I felt for it too. When during the Aviva Drescher ghostwriter thing, like I could have just, you know, you know, you know, rolled that rolled off my shoulder and was like, I don't care. You sound crazy and pipe down, honey, you don't, you know, but I felt wounded by that. And I like escalated it, you know, not for the show, but then in effect, it has a way of your thinking about like, oh my God, what's the audience going to think? You always have that in the back of your mind.
0: But if you, if this happened in season five, say with Aviva, like after you learned how the machine works, would you have had the same reaction? Maybe you would have, I don't want to lead you. Or maybe know. you just would know. have been like, okay.
1: I don't know. I think um, that was, again, that, that fight I had was, uh, was an anomaly for me in those first four, three or four seasons, right? Like I was, I was letting everything roll. There was a lot of slights. I mean, Luann was constantly saying shit about me and I was like, let it roll, let it roll. Um, You know, but so that was like a little bit of, but again, I think it was because the couple of things and we'll go back to the beginning that I was felt protective over other than my late husband and his family was my my work, you know, because I knew going into the show that it was so different and I was coming from such a different experience than the other women. And I think I let, you know, I probably let that, get the better of me in that situation. But a lot of this, the most of the, most of the fights are really about the show itself.
0: That makes sense. Well, speaking of the work, cause you say Ebony would be great on another show. Like Ebony is hired to co-host the view. I don't know for how long, like he's a guest. Oh, co-host. really?
1: Oh, that's fantastic.
0: I don't know if it's like two or I don't know how it's working, okay. but is this true? Because I read this somewhere. I don't know if you said it where you after housewives wanted to be on the View? And then they didn't want you because of Housewives. I don't know if that's you or somebody else. No. Said that.
1: Um, first of all, they no.
0: I mean, am I the only one that remembers this rumor? It literally was all over the place. I promise you, I'm not losing my mind from working on this podcast too long, or that I'm hallucinating this, but there was this rumor that Carol wanted to be on The View after her housewives experience ended. And The View said, you cannot be on The View. You could have been on The View, but we've seen you on Rony and it's Rony, and people are falling in the bushes, drunk and sleeping with pirates and being cool and not all uncool. And we therefore cannot have you on the panel of The View because you were on Rony. Google it. That was out there. So here's Carol. I want to know, is that true to Carol? Want to go on the view? Cause I really could see her as a great fit for the view. And did they say you can't come to the view because you were just on Roni. And then does she regret going on Roni, if that's even true. So we get into that in the next part, part three, this is an Epic three part three hour chat with Miss Raswell. We also just break some other things down. I mean, we're just going for it. I mean, here today, we are, talk about, you know, if you Google Carol's name, you know, I love getting into the finances apparently. And, you know, if you Google Carol's name, it says she's worth $50 million. Google it. If you Google richest housewives ever, Carol Raswell is way towards the top of the list. So it comes up and when it comes up, I'm like, well, are you worth $50 million? And why does it say that? Let's break that down. Yeah, I know it's, it's not maybe the most professional question. Like you're not supposed to ask anyone, their age or salary or net worth. I mean, but here's Carol and you know, why not? Because it's not about me. It's not about Carol. It's really about all of you guys. So we talk about that. We talk about what really is the difference. I mean, Carol talked about the 2016 election and we talked about politics, but it was done in a way that it didn't turn anybody off. And now all of you listeners have run screaming that you will never watch Roni again and you hated it. And it was the worst season ever. So We talk about what's the difference between how it was handled this season and Carol. I mean, I have eyes, I watch. So, but you know, it's not about me again. We talk about how do we get the ratings for Roni back up? We talk about the season she was on where they also took a long break. What do we think is going to happen at the end of this break? Are they going to make cast changes? Who's probably going to go? We talk about all of that. And then we talk about the future of Housewives. Like, is this brand... Is this spring going to continue and for how long? So talk about all of that and just so, so much more. It's a rony extravaganza. It's not the only three-part interview we've had, but it is the second only three-part interview that we have had. What can I say? I mean, I could have talked to Carol for five hours, so stay tuned. All of that is coming. And really, really, I want to know what she has to say about the view, because I remember it was all over that Carol Roswell cannot get hired at The View because she was on Real Housewives of New York. So that question is going to be answered in part three. Stay tuned, coming kind of very soon. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, go to cameo and book me on cameo and you can ask me anything there i'll answer whatever you want and i have a bargain basement price of ten dollars thank you guys see you soon